Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. There we go. All right. Good evening. I have the privilege to uh, give the message today to give Pastor Joe a break. And before I do that, the children may be dismissed to their Sunday school classes. And just a reminder, if you have a cell phone, please put it on silent or power it off. That's just to keep the distractions down to a minimum. And so the title of the message tonight that I have is called The Heart to Serve. And it comes from the Greek word diakonosis, diakonos, which is the word used for deacon. Uh, in First Timothy, uh, one of the three pastoral letters, uh, including Second Timothy and Titus, that the aging Apostle Paul sent to those who would continue his work. Timothy was in every way uh, Paul's spiritual son. Uh, Timothy was young, but he was gifted. And Timothy had been signed to lead the church at Ephesus, a church needing order in worship as well as doctrinal correction. Uh, plagued as it was by false teachers, uh, Paul's letter in uh, 1 Timothy likely written about A.D. 62-66. So the church at this time was around uh, 30 years old. And he counseled the young man on the matters of church leadership from uh, proper worship to qualifications for overseers, which we'll get into, or also called elders or the pastors, and the deacons. And he sent this to advice on confronting false teaching and how to treat various individuals within the congregation. Uh, Paul charged Timothy to live a life beyond reproach, giving a standard to emulate. Uh, and so we'll, we'll start off with the passage from 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. I'll be reading out of the ESV version, and if you have your Bibles, please, or your Bible app, please follow along. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, which we call pastor or elder now, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, nor violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mysteries of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, 
Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith, faith that is in Christ Jesus. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. If we look at the word deacon, it comes from three various forms of a Greek word, diakonos, diakonia, and diakonio, being three particular forms, one referring to servant, another to service, and another the verb to serve. The root of these words means to serve a meal or to like wait on tables. So today we'll be looking at the role of the office of a deacon. And the six points I have for today are the heart of a deacon, the character of a deacon, the faith of a deacon, the testing of a deacon, the service of a deacon, deacon, and the blessing of a deacon. So if we spend 10 minutes on each one, we'll be at an hour. We'll be good. <laughs> so let's open in a word of prayer before we move forward. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time where we can hear your word, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that you touch each one of our hearts, Lord, as, as we hear this message, Lord. Lord, just be with me as I, I speak tonight, Lord. Just uh, give me the confidence I need, Lord, and just uh, keep my nerves to a minimum. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and all this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first point is the heart of a deacon. Uh, so what kind of person is God looking for in a deacon? Uh, we, can, we can answer that by doing a little bit of study of the Word of God and looking at the, the history of redemption. If we go all the way back into the Old Testament, we are met by a man who I'm, I'm sure we're all familiar with. And his name was Abram, and he became Abraham. But when God called Abram to be a leader of the nation Israel, the people that would come from him would be from the line of the Messiah. He chose that man, Abram. He chose him, and he blessed him. And Nehemiah 9.8 says, because he found his heart faithful before him. The qualification for leadership that God saw in Abraham was a faithful heart. We look at King Jehoshaphat, and he was an elder, or he was an able leader of uh, Judah. He led them to victory over enemy nations. And it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 32, that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And the reason God blessed him, and the reason God gave him victory, as recorded in chapter 19, verse 3, it says he had prepared his heart to seek God. Uh, leadership, again, in its effectiveness, is related to a heart that seeks God, a heart that is prepared to obey God, and is a willing heart, a faithful heart, and a righteous heart. So who knows about the prophet Hanai? Hanai rebuked Asa, king of Judah, 
and he rebuked him because when Asa was in a battle, Asa relied more on a Syrian military, a Syrian alliance, than he did on the power of God. And thus he was very, a very ineffective leader. Trusting in the arm of man, not really taking the available power of God. And so in 2 Chronicles 16.9, the prophet said, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Then he says to Asa, You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. So in other words, the prophet says, You did not have a heart perfect toward God, and you will pay a deep price. We look at another king. It was one of the most familiar and beloved kings of Judah. It was the man by the name of Josiah. And if you remember, uh, Josiah was young. He started to rule when he was just eight years old. But God used him to bring revival and reform, to bring a new spirit of worship and a new spirit of obedience to the life of the people of God. Uh, he repaired the temple, he restored the law of God, and he was a good and effective leader. In 2 Kings twenty two nineteen, God used him because his heart was tender, and he humbled himself before the Lord, and he wept. Sensitive, humble, and tender-hearted, we see, again, the qualifications leadership have to do with the heart. God also used a man by the name of Ezra. And God used Ezra to lead the nation of Israel to repentance, to revival, and to restoration. And it was not because Ezra had particularly great human leadership ability, but rather Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and and did it. And then if we look at the greatest example of a servant, we look at, we see Jesus Christ. Oh, I skipped there. Okay. So uh, Mark 10, 43 to 45 says, But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and who would, whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then John 12, 26 says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So a service should be the goal of our Christian lives. It's the heart of Christ. And to follow him in service is to follow Christ in his footsteps. And then we see the example of Jesus. He was the greatest servant, and we get the opportunity to follow after him. In Matthew 25, 23, Jesus says at the end of his peril, well done, good and faithful servant. In the end, isn't that what we want to hear at the end of your life? We should want to do all we can for the glory of God and to finish well. When this life is over, I don't want people just to say, rest in peace. I want them to say, he served well, and now enter into his rest. I want to hear God say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. So ask yourself these questions. Are you growing in your heart for service? Do you desire to serve others? 
Do you desire to be more like Jesus Christ, who asked not to be served, but served willingly and lovingly, even to the point of death? And can you answer yes to those questions? If not, ask the Lord to put the desire to serve in your heart. To love and serve others as Christ Jesus served us is one way of becoming a mature Christian. Do you see yourself becoming less and less selfish and become more and more selfless? Are you growing in your heart to serve? What I talked about, this is the heart of, the, of a deacon. And really, this should be the heart of every follower of Christ. We should have a desire to serve the Lord and to serve others. Next, Paul talks about the Christ-like character of the deacon. If it was up to us, us humans, we would look at skills or look at the outward appearance of a person. And again, we go back to the Old Testament to see how God chose people. When the Lord sent Samuel, a choice servant, to look among the sons of man named Jesse and to identify the one of Jesse's sons who was to be the great king of Israel, the Lord gave Samuel a standard to which, by which to measure his choice. In Samuel 16, 7, God said to Samuel, Look not on his face or on the height of his stature. And the reason God said that was because that is precisely the measuring standard that they had used for King Saul. In Samuel 1, 9-2, it says, Saul was more handsome than any other man in Israel, and he was taller than in any man in Israel. And on that basis, he was chosen to be king. He turned out to be a disastrous king, an evil king, and even an unsuccessful king. So God says to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And the man God chose was David, who had the right heart before God. And later on, at the end of David's life, God gave him his son by the name of Solomon. It came to be David's task to pass on the royal throne to his son Solomon. And when giving him words of wisdom as to what God wants out of a leader, this is what David said in 1 Chronicles 28, 9. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. And then we look down in the New Testament at Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah was a priest, and in, and in a sense, Zechariah summed up success of all Old Testament prophets when he called them in Luke 1, holy prophets. Holiness of heart, holiness of life was the key to the effective ministry. And there's a quote by a Salvation Army Commissioner Samuel Logan Brengal that says, the final estimate of men shows that history cares not for the rank or title a man was, has borne or the office he has held, but the quality of his deeds and the character of his mind and heart. 
Through all these examples, we see God looks at the condition of the heart. Going back to 1 Timothy, verse 8, it says, Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, and not greedy for dishonest gain. We see here that the primary requirement for a deacon is not their gifts or their talents, but their character. And so what are the characters that the deacon should be? We just read one is dignified, meaning worthy of respect, noble. We know they should be an honorable person. And then Paul gives three statements of what a good character should look like. Not double-tongued, having, having self-control of the tongue, and to have mastery over the tongue. If we look in the book of James, he describes how dangerous the tongue can be and that the tongue can be used for good and for evil. So if we have mastery over our tongue, we have mastery over our whole selves. And deacons are to be known to speak the truth. The other one is not given too much wine. It can be an example of having self-control over their desires. They have wisdom in how to use their Christian liberties. Uh, they will not let have alcohol control over them. No. The, the last one is not greedy for money. To have self-control over greed, over worldliness. We, as followers of Jesus, if we look at money the exact same way the world does, then we have a serious problem. If, we are, if all we are is focused on the next vacation, or the next vacation house, or the next car, or the next promotion, if all you do is use all your money for your pleasure, something is broken in your relationship with God. God has given us all these resources, and so we need to ask him, Lord, how do you want me to use this for your glory? So we see both elders and pastors and deacons are to be the ones to set an example in how to use our resources for the glory of God. So those are the character of deacons. As believers, we should all strive for that character. We should desire to emulate that character. Third point is the faith of a deacon. And in verse 9, it says, They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The mystery of the faith, the word mystery describes truth previously hidden, but now revealed, including Christ incarnation, Christ indwelling of believers, the unity of the Jews and Gentiles in the church from the New Testament, the gospel. The ministry of the faith is the message of the gospel. And the deacon's life should re reflect what they believe. They should be a living testimony of what it means to be a Christian. They should have a clear witness and a clear testimony. They should have a clear conscience on how to live their lives. They should be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Hopefully, that is what all of us desire, that as believers, we will have honest, genuine, real faith that our faith would transform us to that new creation. That is what a deacon's faith should look like. Number four, we get to the testing of a deacon. A deacon is to be tested before being placed into service. Uh, verse 10 says, And let them also be tested first, 
Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Let the deacons be tested in small ways to demonstrate the character and the faithfulness. And then they can be entrusted with greater things. When I first started in this church, I had a simple small role when I first got here. I changed the overhead slides for the overhead projector. Pretty easy. And then I advanced to the sound booth and learned that. And then I became part of the finance committee and then uh, elected to treasurer and then to deacon. I started with the small things of changing slides, and as time went on, I was entrusted with more and more things. Uh, the church that I grew up in, we had a, a deacon, and he was a, re- a retired janitor. And so I can remember seeing him. Him, he could barely walk, but he was at the church uh, just about every day, cleaning the church. It was a two-story church, cleaning the church from top to bottom every week. He was there, and you would, and people would go in just to talk to him because he always had a smile on his face. He was always whistling and singing as he worked, and people just loved uh, to be around him. He was the the perfect example. When I think of a deacon, I think of this guy. Um, that is the picture of what we see here. We're supposed to be willing to serve, serve in the least of things before we are entrusted to the greater things. The janitor was doing the least of things, the, the things that nobody else wanted to do, and he did it happily. So let me ask you, are you willing to serve where no one else wants to serve? Are you willing to serve where there is no glory, no credit, where no one is going to give you accolades? Are you serving because you know that's what the Lord wants you to do? Are you using whatever gifts and talents God has given you to glorify him? And as we get to verse 11, this verse can be confusing at times. So here's where the translation of the verse can make it confusing. We will look at three different translations. Um, Verse 11 from the ESV is, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. The New American Standard Version says, women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. And then the NIV says, in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. And so here's what I found. The Greek word rendered wives can also be translated women. Paul likely here refers to deacons' wives, but to the women who, not as deacons' wives, but to the women who serve as deacons. The use of the word likewise as an Introduction suggests a third group in addition to elder and deacons. Also, since Paul gave no requirements for elders' wives, there is no reason to assume these would be qualifications for deacons' wives. So the women who serve in the church, like their male counterparts, must be absolutely trustworthy in all respect of the lives and the ministries. So to be clear, in some churches there are women who serve as deacons, And I don't believe 
there's a problem with this as long as they are not teaching or in position over men. In the New Testament, we can see women serving in this role, but not specifically given the title of a deacon. Paul wrote in Romans 16.1, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who was a servant. The word used, diakonos, is the same word used for the word deacon here. So who is a servant of the church in Sincrea? Keep in mind the word deacon means servant, to serve. In this church, we have not ordained a woman into the office of deacon, but we have women who serve in other ministries. What we do here is ordain the men who God has called to serve as deacons. The wives of those men would be considered the deaconesses, yet we do not use the title. Um, if you have more clarification on this, please come see me or Pastor Joe after the service. <laughs> the point is, everyone in church is to serve in some way. Some serve with unique gifts, and some serve in an official capacity. And they can be men or women, as in 1 Timothy 3.11 says. They are models of service to Christ and his church. The qualifications for both elders and deacons are similar. But deacons function under the leadership of the elders. Remember, the elders are considered the pastors. They are to lead by example. Every church needs both pastoral leadership and servant leadership. We couldn't accomplish a thing if it weren't for the men and women who carry out the administration, implementation, and the application of God's word. Number five is the service of a deacon. So what is the service of a deacon? In its simplest form, it is to serve the church. In Acts 6, we have the best example in the New Testament of what a deacon does. What we have here in Acts 6 is this church that's been growing for 30 years. And as we look at it, it's growing in complexity, it's growing in numbers, and the church is exploding. And uh, in Acts, it's, it says there were 20,000 plus members. And because of the size of this, they start running into problems. And we see one of these problems in verse 1. And it says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. At that time, the Jewish community was very good about taking care of of the widows in their community. So, so there was a problem. There was a problem with Hebraic, Hebrew-speaking Christians, and Hellenistic, which is the Greek-speaking Christians. So we had some ethnic issues taking place. And the issue was the Greek-speaking widows felt that they were being overlooked. And so a conflict was brewing in the church. If we look at verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together. That The disciples meaning 
all the believers at that time, all the Christians, and said, it would not be right for us, the apostles, to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Not that they had a problem serving it in this way of waiting on tables, but this is why we get the idea that maybe this is the prototype. This is where we get maybe the beginning of the function of the deacons. To wait on tables, this is literally the word for deacon. So the elders and the, poss- the, elders and the possibles knew what their responsibility was. They knew their responsibility was to lead, to teach, and to pray. Again, the same responsibilities given for the elders that we read earlier. They could not get distracted by all the other things that were going on. It wasn't that those things were not important, but they were. But they needed to be focused on the primary things they were called to do, which was preaching, teaching, and praying. So what we see is that they gathered to Gather the church together. They gathered the church together to solve this problem. Let us look at how they solved the problem in verse three. Not up there, sorry. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So what did they do? They chose seven men and they fixed the problem. And this is the beginning of the prototype of this idea of the elders of the church need to be focused on the priorities that they were called to do. And then the deacons come alongside and serve so that the elders can be focused on their primary responsibility. And what is the elders' primary responsibility? To lead, to teach, protect, to shepherd, praying. So what's the deacon's primary responsibility then? It is to serve the church in whatever means necessary, whatever ways necessary, so that they can assist the elders, the pastors, so that the elders can focus on their primary role. And if we look, there's not a lot of clarity in the scriptures as to a specific job of a deacon. But there is clarity in this, that this is an office, and that the office requires character, and it is an office that is designed primary to allow elders to focus on the things that they are called to do. So deacons are, have the character and the desire to serve the church in whatever capacity they can. So we have gone over the first five things, the heart of the deacon, the character of the deacon, the faith of the deacon, the testing of the deacon, the service of the deacon, and we close with number six, the blessings of the deacon. So why do we desire to be deacons? Why do we serve? Look at verse 13. I think it applies not just to the role of the deacon, but to everybody who serves the Lord faithfully. Verse 13, it's not up there. For those who serve well as deacons, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is Christ Jesus. Paul says, for those who serve well, two blessings come from that. Number one, a good standing for themselves. That means they gain honor. They gain respect. 
People look to them as an example of faithfulness. Both inside the church and outside the church, they are seen an example of Christian maturity and Christian faithfulness. Paul says, what a great privilege, privilege it is to have that kind of honor. Secondly, a great confidence of the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Paul says, when we serve the Lord, we grow in our walk with Christ. We grow in our faith with Christ. We mature in our faith with Christ. So these are the two blessings that await those who serve the Lord in this way. So deacons are faithful people of God who is marked by the heart of service, who is marked by godly character, who is marked by faith that is shown in their daily lives. They love the Lord and his people who walks in his footsteps of Jesus, whose lives will not be served but to serve and to love others. A deacon is a faithful follower who will one day be rewarded by the Lord himself for their faithful service. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we all desire? In reality, a deacon, a servant, is what we should all desire to be. It should be the model of maturity that we all long for. Our prayer should be, Lord, make us a servant in your church that would bring you glory. And in closing, we're all in the diakonia. We're all in the service. And that, that's the first level you must understand. Uh, I don't want us to think for a moment there's this leadership level, elders, pastors, there's a service level, deacons, and then there's a spectator level. There is no spectator level. There is no audience in the church, really. We are all in the ministry. We are all in the service. And we've all been called to submit ourselves in the obedience to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is my message for tonight. Um, let me close in a, a word of prayer as the, the music team comes up. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that we had to listen to your word, Lord. Thank you for um, your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that we can be called uh, faithful servants, Lord. And Lord, just give each one of us the heart to be a servant, Lord, the heart to serve you, the heart to serve each other, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you be with us as we depart from here, Lord. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and all this we ask, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.